reality hit in and it took another nine months to find work back in corporate. And it wasn't work I wanted. I had to just take what I could find. And in the meantime, I ended up waitressing to make some money. I made some pretty poor other decisions in my life at the time, dating decisions, some terrible dating decisions, just looking for love and validation. In order to exit the marriage, I took on half of my husband's debt that he'd racked up because I thought I had no other choice and I just wanted out. So with all that grief and loss and finding my ground, it took three to four years to recover from that decision, burning my life down that I didn't love. You know, in hindsight, I think there are easier ways of making change. I'm not suggesting anyone tolerate life that's not working for you, but I'll get to that. I'll get to how I would do it differently this time around if I found myself in that situation. Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to Unset at Work, and I'm your host, Catherine Stag Macy. I'm an executive and team coach, and I'm really interested in the conversations that we don't have at work. Today, one of those is a personal story. I'm going to share a my own personal story around how I managed to burn my life down, not once, but twice. This is the most personal I've gotten on this podcast, but I really believe that talking about our stories helps others. So let's do this. So I suppose I should probably start with what do I mean by burning a life down? It's those handful of times where you just sort of strip your life back to the bare bones. You get rid of relationships and people or jobs or just habits or thought processes that just aren't working for you. Perhaps it isn't even a life that's working for you. It's a very cleansing process to go through, but I've made my life really hard by the way I did it, which is kind of why I want to talk about it. I didn't have anyone talking about this when I was younger and no one close to me had even modeled how to do this. So to be clear, I'm not against rebooting your life. There are things that need to get rid of, like fantastic. I just wish I'd known more about this as a thing and maybe I'd be able to navigate the change with more grace and have done a little less harm to myself. So I'm sharing this because I hope you take something away that next time you feel yeah, that it's time for a change, you're fed up with life and something needs to change, that you have some more insight or a different way of approaching this to take more care of you. And a little content warning, I'm going to talk about suicide in this episode. So if you aren't feeling up to hearing about that, then please just skip this episode and come back another time. And a big thanks for listening to the podcast. If you've got any thoughts about this episode or the things that you want me to talk about, what I haven't I covered yet? I'm planning season two. So yeah, drop me an email at Catherine at conversation at the edge.com. So let's get to the first story of how I burnt my life down. I'm going to share the stories with you and then I'll kind of bottom out what I've learned from that, what I've taken away. So it's 2003 and I've been in the UK for just for about two years. I had immigrated in 2001 with my husband and it hadn't been an easy time. I mean, anyone who's emigrated will know this. The weather, for one thing, like none of my South African clothes came close to keeping me warm in the damp, cold February English winter. And it took me six months to find a job. The job market at that time was really flat. And London was so freaking expensive. Like just breathing and eating felt like the only things that we could afford. When you don't have a job and the world that you're in suddenly is so much more expensive, it was tough. But we started to find our feet. And then I got this terrible news about my father. He died. He killed himself. And in the following weeks were a complete blur of grief. I flew back to South Africa is what I remember. My mother chose not to have a funeral for her own reasons. 
And when I returned, I wasn't in any state to go back to work and fortunately had a organization that had a fairly good employee kind of support program and they booked me up for three months. Somewhere in those three months, I remember finding myself in the supermarket aisle, having completely no idea how I got there and what I was supposed to do and also, and then having a panic attack. So I, I went looking for help and it was through therapy I came to realize what I was tolerating. And it was a very long list. I was unhappy in my marriage and had been for years. We should never really have gotten married. Nothing nothing to do with him. We just were wounded people trying to fix each other. And that never works out. I was in a job I didn't like. I was being bullied at work long before my father died. And I had told myself it was just a hard environment and I needed to suck it up and make my way through. But yeah, it just came to light in the weeks after I came back from my extended time off, my boss, Howard, called me in on a performance review and told me that I was soon going to be in the redundancy list if I didn't up my game. And yeah, I resigned the next day. There is nothing like the death of a loved one to stir you into action. Yeah, I resigned the next day with no job to go to. But weeks later, I told my husband I was leaving him and I moved out of our family home. For weeks, I, it felt like the best decisions I'd ever made for myself. Like I felt like I was actually finally, after all those years, standing up for myself. And it was strangely addictive. I really felt like on a high. But reality hit in, and it took another nine months to find work back in corporate. And it wasn't work I wanted. I had to just take what I could find. And in the meantime, I ended up waitressing to make some money. I made some pretty poor other decisions in my life at the time, dating decisions, some terrible dating decisions, just looking for love and validation. To In order to exit the marriage, I took on half of my husband's debt that he'd racked up because I thought I had no other choice and I just wanted out. So with all that grief and loss and finding my ground, it took three to four years to recover from that decision, burning my life down that I didn't love. You know, in hindsight, I think there are easier ways of making change. I'm not suggesting I'm going to tolerate a very life that's not working for you, but I'll get to that. I think there are, I'll get to how I would do it differently this time around if I found myself in that situation. But I want to tell you the second story before we get to the lessons here. Second story starts about eight years after my father's death, and I'm coming close to 40, and I find this great job. I'm working as a sort of management consultant, it's really well paid great bonuses, really nice boss, really supportive boss and colleagues. We get to work from home long before it's a cool thing to do. So, you know, those five days a week London commute, three to four hours of just commuting was gone. I had a life back. I could do exercise. I could take care of the house, take care of myself. And yeah, it was a really sweet place to be in. But I felt dissatisfied and then judged myself for feeling dissatisfied. It's one of those places where but you have everything you ever wanted. So like, what's the problem, Catherine? But I did want something more like this idea of doing that job when I was 50, like 10 years time was like, oh my gosh, really? Is that what I'm going to be doing? It felt kind of soul destroying. And so I had been searching all my working life for something that I really wanted to do, but I didn't know how to do that. I had never found the answer. I was usually met with, but you're doing fine. You're, you're very lucky, privileged just what's your problem? And then at the time, a friend, my, a friend of mine said, what about coaching? And 
I, I didn't, I, to be honest, I'd never heard of coaching. I think I might've heard of life coaching. I certainly hadn't heard of executive coaching. And I'm like, well, what is this thing called coaching? So she persuaded me to sign up for this very introductory long weekend course that they ran. And I thought, what, why not? Let's just, let's do this. And if it works for me when I'm in 10 years time, I can change and do this thing. And that weekend came really intense, really interactive program. On the Sunday of that weekend, I woke up at four in the morning and I found myself crying. And it was the sense of coming home. I had found my thing. I had found my people. I had found the thing that I'd been looking for all my life. And I was completely overwhelmed with just being in this place. And I decided on that first course that I was going to do this. I think I even checked in that morning on that Sunday morning in the check-in circle saying, I, I'm going to go back and resign. And I did that. I held on for a year. I did all the certification. I finished the training, did the certification, which took another year whilst I was working and then resigned because I didn't, the only way I could see making coaching as a living was to run my own company. I had never done that in my life before. And so I started my own company a year later with about 20K in the bank of savings. So that all sounds like a good story, right? But the truth is it was such a brutal change because I was moving away from an industry and a sector that knew me as a management consultant to essentially the personal development, learning and development sector, which I wasn't, I didn't know anything about and buyers or network that I didn't know. And so within a year of starting my own company as a coach, doing the thing that I thought I wanted to do, I had an ulcer. Like building the business, I was completely out of my depth. I had a boyfriend who thought I was mad. And why why wasn't I going back and doing going back to corporate? Why was I making it so hard for myself? And I was running out of cash. Generally like burning through that cash and the savings that I had. Turns out it's very hard to change careers completely. All my connections were in the tech sector. And they didn't really have much interest in coaching. And I, yeah, it took me back to 2003 when I had no money then. And uh, it's a terrible place to be. So I, what I ended up ta- doing was taking on some consulting about five days a month and bootstrap myself. So use the consulting, which I didn't want to do, but use that as a way to pay the bills and continue building the coaching business, which took a few years, but it eventually worked out. So 10 years on, yes, I'm thriving. It's a successful business, but it had to be one of the hardest ways to start a business that I can think of. And I would not suggest that at all. So those are the two stories. Let me share with you my lessons from this. Like if I find myself in a place that I needed to change things, like what would I do? What have I learned? The first point is don't resign from a job unless you have another one lined up. I think there's some caveats around that, around if you're being abused or harassed, or it's such a toxic environment that it's impacting your mental health, then of course resign. But just put those aside. I would say use the safety of where you are to find the new thing. When we are without a job, our nervous system goes into dysregulation. We are in fight or flight mode as we look for that next job. That sense of security we need is so important. I remember that so clearly in both of the early parts of those stories that I shared with you of the sort of panic the sense of having no control of knowing when to find the job and when to find the security. And that energy shows up in interviews and interactions. I don't think we become our, we aren't our best selves in the interviews. We can't be. And the longer the takes, the more dysregulated you will become. So 
if you have a choice, don't resign from the job until you have something long lined up would be my advice. The second lesson I learned that, that sometimes external circumstances like death of your father just help us see, shine a very clear, unfiltered light on what we're tolerating. Deep down, I knew I wasn't happy in my marriage. I knew that before we moved, before we emigrated. And I also knew I wasn't happy in my workplace. But in both cases, I was able to tolerate it. Could I have done something that wasn't so dramatic that is making three massive life changes in six months? I wish I did. But sometimes you have to ride the waves of your own making. It's my version of the story. But I say that my father gave me that last gift. Like he helped me see what I was tolerating, how I was overriding my needs in every aspect of my life. And so I could do something about it. The third lesson for me is around purpose. Like working out your purpose can take a really long time and that's okay. <laughs> I've seen so much on the internet and on things like Instagram, these sort of cool pictures of find your meaning, find your purpose, life's all okay. I think finding a purpose can be a lifetime journey. I think maybe the, the journey is the gift itself. And I think sitting with your dissatisfaction is part of the process and we can keep showing up in, in all aspects of our lives and doing what we need to do and still keep looking for the thing that's going to bring meaning for us. I think both can be true. My final lesson here is if you can, burn down one life, one part of your life at a time. If you ever feel like you need to burn down anything. I have this image of like managing a forested area, like you burn strips at a time so you take down the whole forest at the same time because it's very hard to rebuild. The choices I made, the, the drastic I'm out of here choices I made in both cases made the rebuilding harder because there was no foundations. It wasn't like I was in a secure job so I could rebuild my personal life or I was in a secure personal life and then I could rebuild my job. I think when we're looking and searching in all areas of our life, it gets really hard and yeah, I think one of the reasons why it took me so long to recover emotionally and spiritually, particularly after my father's death, was that it was just too much change. It was too much change for my body to process. So if you can see that there are parts of your life that need changing, then fantastic. See if there's a way of, to the extent that we are, we have control of our own lives, that there is a way of staggering those, of being more intentional about which one goes first. So I hope you found my sharing of my story useful to whatever's going on in your life. If you have a story of change and how you've navigated you'd like to share with me, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at Catherine at Conversations at the Edge. And thanks for listening. Until next week, this is your wingwoman signing off. <laughs>